Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. As dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, and time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this very special Thursday, March 19th, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. A big shout out to the listeners at Worldwide Christian Radio Station and our new station listeners over at WINB. And thank you to all of you who are purposely tuning in tonight from around the globe. You're in for a real treat tonight, folks. My guest is Paul McGuire. Paul is a highly acclaimed author of over 20 books, a television commentator on the Fox News Network, a former syndicated radio talk show host, professor of eschatology at King's College. He's produced two science fiction films in Hollywood. The History Channel has done two specials with Paul on the Apocalypse and Revelation. He is an internationally recognized expert on globalism, Bible prophecy, and current events. And he's interviewed military generals, presidents, and prime ministers from around the world. And even the former prime minister of Israel met with Paul after reading his book, Are You Ready? Incredible guest we have today. Paul, it is such a pleasure to have you on. Sheila, it's great to be back in your program, and uh, the last time we did an interview on your program, I, I continually get emails from all over the world uh, from people who tell me, up until recently, that I, I first heard you or I heard you on Sheila's program, so it's a delight to be with you. Well, thank you, Paul. It's a real delight to have you on, and really timely. You have a new book out. I have actually two of your books. One of my favorites is Standing Down Goliath. And I have to say, just an incredible writer, incredible insight. And this book, Mass Awakening, we're going to get into this a little bit tonight. I mean, Paul, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, have we ever saw the moral decline, the moral decay? I mean, when you have a movie theater where Fifty Shades of Debauchery is hailed and celebrated as the must-see movie, I mean, that really tells people where things are at, doesn't it? Well, Sheila, you're absolutely right, and it's very interesting that you bring up uh, 50, I call it 50 Shades of Misery. You have a good title for it also. I think your listeners know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, a real indication of where we are. You know, when you normalize 
or mainstream S&M or bondage sex. That's pretty, is about depraved as you can get as a society. And the interesting thing about it is, as I know you know, the actual title of the book, Fifty Shades of Grey, that, that's been described by the secular media as mommy porn. And the, the sales figures on what would be considered an S&M bondage book a few years ago, this has gone mainstream. And the sales are so far beyond, they've broken just about every record. But I remember when the book first came out, and I would see it in the big supermarkets, the mainstream retailers face out. I talk about it a lot, uh, the meaning of it a lot in my book, Mass Events. But I was in a uh, a supermarket just as the movie was being released. In fact, before the supermarket, I was in Paris, France, uh, speaking to 12,000 people in Bible prophecy. And as I was being driven from one event to another, in Paris, there was these massive billboards promoting the movie, as there was in L.A. and many cities across the world. There was this, this cover story of this special edition. It was either Newsweek or Time. I believe it was Newsweek. And it was, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. And then underneath, just listen to these words, Sheila. I think you'll find it mind-blowing. Underneath the, the title, Fifty Shades of Grey, it said, a celebration of romantic love, uh, you know, for the new era. Now, oh, I mean, they were, they were boasting about it like it was a, a romantic thing. Yes, isn't that disgusting? Glamorizing S&M, boasting about it as if it is romantic. I mean, that is so far from, you know, as you were talking, Paul, I was reminded of Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness. I mean, read that scripture in Isaiah 520, folks. I mean, it is incredible. Satan is always twisting what God creates for good. There is ubiquitous mind control going on here. And that really ties into what you talk about in your book, really, because there is a very real battle going on for the future of America. And the really ties into this virtual reality of this satanic elite using sorcery and magic, which interfaces with quantum physics. You know, it was stunning that Christian women were lined up to get this book, get their tickets for the movie incredible to see where the mainstream church is really at. And we're really seeing mind control to draw humanity from God and to chain them to the Antichrist. The world's first king was Nimrod, the ruler of Babylon, and he was most known for the Tower of Babel. Satan's really seeking to rebuild his kingdom. There's a dark demonic force at play here and we are entering into the golden age we see a reemergence of these ancient nimrodian godmen which the occult has been doing for thousands of years our civilization is becoming a bloody demonic system of paganism just like in the days of noah this is all one big culmination isn't it yeah sure you're you're absolutely right and in uh, mass events and I, I dealt with it earlier in a prophecy of the future of America, but, but mass event takes it even further. There is uh, what uh, you, you are well aware of, uh, Aldous Huxley's uh, statement that our society, our global society, is, is now a scientific dictatorship. And he first uh, used the term scientific dictatorship 
at a speech he gave to neuropsychiatrists at the University of Berkeley, he said these famous words, that in a scientific dictatorship, men will truly learn to love their servitude or slavery. And the idea was is that the most efficient dictatorship is a scientific dictatorship where people will actually love uh, living under a dictatorship. Now, to get into the multidimensional nature of a scientific dictatorship, Huxley, who was a member of the cult of Dionysus, he was a disciple via uh, other people of Aleister Crowley, he was close with the other Fabian socialists, H.G. Wells, the science fiction author, and uh, Bertrand Russell, uh, you know, the guys who planned the New World Order and mass depopulation. But here's the, the powerful insight of the scientific dictatorship. The scientific dictatorship is a term uh, that comes from what is called the scientific elite. As you trace the vocabulary words and how they originated, another, a, a synonym for the scientific dictatorship would be the technocratic elite, technocratic elite. So the word techni comes from the word wicca, which means witchcraft, and that comes from the word which means reconfiguring or shaping or bending reality. So at the very highest levels of the scientific dictatorship, they are not atheists. People at the managerial levels of the scientific dictatorship, such as presidents and prime ministers and politicians and university professors, they are indoctrinated in uh, secular humanism. But the secrets of the dark kingdom are hidden from them because the people at the very top fully understand that technology and science and the occult and the supernatural are one and the same. Thus, we have the famous quote from Sir Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. He coined that famous phrase, science is magic. Now, that wasn't just a cute little expression. And people really need to understand what this is all about. The people at the highest levels of our society are currently bending and changing the holographic reality all around us. And I drive this home uh, in the book because unless we understand this fully, and, and you understand it, and many of your listeners understand it, but the majority of people don't understand it. Unless we do understand it, we will be impotent in uh, engaging in the law-abiding, peaceful, spiritual warfare that can save nations. Well, that's really well spoken. So we kind of have three, maybe I'd say, coterminous events kind of all happening around us. Now, World War Three is certainly on the horizon, and I am stunned at just what's happening economically. There is really a progression of events, and sooner or later it's inevitable. I ask myself, Paul, why is the option market sending out warnings? A price for crash protection has doubled in the options market. There's a very good chance the euro will drop below the U.S. dollar this year, European Central Bank started bond purchasing, sent the euro sliding. You've got risky derivatives, bail-ins, bailouts, quantitative easing. Look at the state of the European Union. And if the euro falls, there will be, I think, a domino effect. It'll affect the transatlantic trade and investment partnership, which the European Union is negotiating with the U.S. I mean, that's our biggest export market. So we're essentially looking at what I would think, Paul, would be a global economic meltdown 
down probably worse than the dirty 30s. Well, Sheila, you, you know, you're right with your analysis. The three things that you projected are like flashing red lights. So they should be flashing red lights on the screen of our consciousness. Let's talk about the economic thing first. I deal with that extensively in the book. And I happened to be in Paris. And while I was there speaking on prophecy to a 12,000-member church, that day, Greece uh, elected a, a leftist government which announced that it would refuse to pay the European Union the debt that they imposed on them. And so everybody in France was shaken up. The common man was talking about it. The guy that was driving me around, it was the first thing out of his mouth in the morning when he picked me up, was what happened, and that the entire European Union, including France, they were very, very, very concerned. You could talk to the average French guy on the street, or a woman, they were very, very concerned about what happened in Greece because they knew it had the potential to topple the euro because if they refuse to, if Greece refuses to pay the debt, well, that's gonna, that could send the euro into a death spiral. You were talking about that. Now, you talk to the average American, they're clueless as to the potential economic collapse or crisis that is looming with glaring, obvious economic evidence that you, you so well pointed out. But as you know, Sheila, the mainstream media, which is con controlled by only six corporations, and those six corporations are owned by the central banks of Europe and the Federal Reserve banking families, they completely blind Americans and Canadians and people of other nations from the real economic, you know, you talk to the average person here in California or in America, they say, oh, the stock market is booming again. They're completely deceived. They don't understand all the warning signs that you mentioned. And then the Europeans do understand. The common man in Europe does understand. I was looking at Drudge Report today, and there was uh, riots in Germany against uh, the international bank there. There's uh, riots in uh, Greece. And everybody in Europe is concerned about the euro crashing. And if the euro crashes, as you spoke about, it'll be a domino effect. It'll crash the transatlantic system between the U.S. and Canada and uh, Great Britain and Europe. And that could send the U.S. dollar into the death spiral. But then you mentioned World War III. And that whole axis or Eurasia, as Brzezinski called it, uh, which would be Russia, the Ukraine, um, NATO, the EU, Great Britain, uh, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Jerusalem, all the World War III battle potential, which is very, very serious right now, and again, I deal with this in the book also, the, the backdrop behind the military battle, it's really an economic battle. It's an economic battle for petrodollars because the U.S. Uh, went off the gold standard during the Nixon administration, and the Federal Reserve printed money from nothing. So the world nations, especially the BRICS nations like you know China and India and Russia, etc., uh, they're looking for a new world currency because they don't trust the dollar because the dollar is backed by nothing. But what has propped up the dollar is the petrodollar system where the U.S. negotiated with the Saudi Arabian countries to uh, back the dollar with petro or oil. 
And that has been the sustaining force of the U.S. dollar. Now, if we have a geopolitical World War III conflict, and for whatever reason, uh, the transatlantic union and the U.S. allow the dollar to be toppled, well, you're right. Economic chaos is, is going to hit hard. When we talk about World War III, there's really this strange sort of the Putin shuck and jive going on the last few months. We heard rumors last week, he's dead, he's not dead, he's hiding, he's not hiding, we're going to war, we're not going to war. We just read this week that Russia's planning to send nuclear-capable bombers to Crimea, there's missiles to Poland's border. What is going on here in Russia, do you think, Paul? What's the overall playbook going on? Well, one thing we need to remember with Putin and Russia is that ultimately, despite all his uh, you know, aggressive postures, his threats to invade the Ukraine, his uh, very real announcements of uniting with China and other nations and toppling the U.S. dollar and putting forth a new world currency, behind all that, ultimately, he is controlled by the same international bankers that control the rest of the world, such as the U.S., Canada, and Europe. So the overarching principle here is that Putin is under the control of the international bankers. So one of two things, or perhaps there's three potential scenarios, and one is Putin uh, promoting a a new uh, world currency with China and India and other nations. Now, that new world currency will fit into the plans of the international bankers. And that new world currency will most likely be what they call a basket of competing currencies, or SDRs, special drawing rights, where where you don't have just one currency, you have like the currency of Russia, China, India, etc., in a basket. And that basket of currency then becomes the new world currency, which can topple the dollar. Uh, that's one thing he's going after. The other is the military uh, aspect of what he's doing. And he's, wa- he's waging an asymmetrical propaganda warfare via social media and the Internet against the U.S. And he's been very effective, especially in conservative circles, in seducing conservatives <laughs> into believing yeah. that somehow Russia is freer than the United States with Snowden. And, and you've got to be on hallucinogenic drugs and magic mushrooms to believe that the former KGB man, Putin, really has a nation that's freer than the U.S. Right. Well, the big news really this week is the election result in Israel. What is your take on that, Paul? Well, prior to going to France, I was in Jerusalem right after there was the uh, major terrorist attacks and I was in uh, by, by the Wailing Wall, and the tension and the amount of military presence in Jerusalem, open military presence, which is always there, was just super amplified. You, you could tell the Israelis were on red alert against uh, a terrorist attack because they just had one uh, about a week before I got there. Then we have other terrorist attacks, and we have uh, the administration... Uh, allegedly tried to interfere with the Israeli election. But Netanyahu, who I believe I became familiar with his work supernaturally, and I, I mean that, because years before I began writing books or understood any of this, years before terrorism even became an issue in the U.S., 
I was wandering around the large university library before the days of the Internet. You had to actually go to libraries and stuff. And for some strange reason, because remember, back then terrorism was not an issue in the U.S., I picked up this book by this strange guy named Benjamin Netanyahu, who was an expert in terrorism, and for some strange reason, I devoured the book and never forgot it. So, you know, years later, he becomes uh, Israel's prime minister, but he is always, unlike many Israeli politicians, and unlike many, many American politicians, Netanyahu fully understands that the stated goal of militant Islam is to wipe Israel off the map, and that means a holocaust if necessary. I mean, militant Islam will, would nuke Jerusalem tomorrow uh, with no bones about it, and Netanyahu gets that. But militant Islam would also nuke uh, New York, Vancouver, you know, L.A., and all the other places, too, because their goal, as you know, is the complete domination of uh, infidel society. So Netanyahu gets that. And any American politician and all these evangelical Christian leaders in America who've been sucker-punched into mental oblivion and retardation cannot seem to perceive the obvious, which is behind all the seductive language and recruitment by, by militant Islam to buddy up with the evangelical church, the reality is that behind their backs, they have a dagger, and they're full well and, and ready to cut the heads off of the evangelical leaders because they're following an age-old strategy where you are allowed theologically to fool your enemy uh, with talks of peace so that you can buy time to ultimately slaughter the infidel. But Netanyahu gets it, and uh, he will continue defense of Israel. There's a lot of orchestrated moves of tyranny here. It reminds me of the Roman Empire playbook, and we're really seeing things accelerating that way. I can't help but think of the fourth beast that Daniel warned about. It just really seemed like everything's culminating and accelerating at once, doesn't it? Well, Sheila, again, you're, you're 100% right. And, and when you bring up Daniel's prophecy, uh, Daniel chapter 9 and other places, of the fourth beast or the revived Roman Empire. That fourth beast or revived Roman Empire is emerging with lightning speed as never before in our world today. I mean, the entire European Union, uh, along with, I believe, what would be called the, the young lions of Tarshish, and Tarshish would be um, uh, Great Britain, but the young lions of Tarshish would be nations like Canada, the United States, and Australia, which are, are the offspring of Great Britain. I believe that we are going to be part of this revived Roman Empire uh, and part of, it may not be called the European Union. I personally believe it may also involve the 10 world government regions. So, for example, you have the North American Union, the European Union, Asian Union, African Union, so on and so forth. Those could be the revived Roman Empire, or it could be a consolidation of the young lions of Tarshish, as I mentioned, along with the EU and, and the general geographic of the former Roman Empire with the add-ons of Canada, America, Australia, etc. So 
it's coming to fruition. The smart people in Europe fully understand that when you go back to the Bilderberg Group meeting, that Prince Bernard was definitely uh, involved with the Nazis. There was Nazi money behind the founding of Bilderberg. Prior to that period, you had Jean Monnet, the father of the European Union. He openly said before the European Union was created, when it was called the uh, European Co Common Market, he said the goal is, was to create a European Union through deception and that they would seduce the European nations into signing you know, harmless little trade treaties that appeared to be insignificant but that as they increased each treaty, they'd sneak in more and more incremental language until eventually, while people were oblivious to it, they would completely take over the European Union. And I hope your listeners get a lightning bolt of uh, revelation here. The same process is being used in the U.S. with all these trade treaties that, by the way, the Republicans promoted. And um, But in each of the language of the trade treaties, and this is the same with the language of the so-called United Nations, uh, you know, when they have the rights, uh, the UN rights in the United Nations, well, people are not reading the fine print in the trade treaties and the fine print in the United Nations because the end game here is dictatorship. So the European Union... And, and the Europeans are starting to wake up to this, is really a dictatorship. The European people are furious at the EU. They've lost their rights. They, they can't legally control their politicians. And they're being forced into a modern feudal state where they become the slaves of the elite. And the banking system is, is essential in this. The same thing is happening in the United States. You had the G20 meeting, and they created regulations which allow for bank bail-ins. And so you have Americans in a, in a modern feudal state where most Americans, they don't realize the facts yet. But in America, as in many other nations in the world right now, American depositors in their banks don't understand that the money they have in the banks is no longer legally theirs. They are creditors to the bank and in any moment, those bank doors could be shut. The FDIC insurance means absolutely nothing in an economic crisis. And they would get peanuts for every dollar. But the American people are in a hyper-brainwashed state. And let me just say this, because as I drive this home in mass awakening, this is an extension of the scientific dictatorship. And I want to talk about America just for a second, because I'm an American. And I understand it, but the same process actually happened in Canada earlier than America. The American people are now being subjected to scientific mind control at a level that most people think would be considered science fiction technologies. If you talk to the average American, and I explain to them, as I do in my books, the, the latest developments in scientific mind control, the average American, the average Christian, would look at me and say, you're paranoid, you're crazy, you're making this up, because it is beyond their intelligence level and programming to understand that futuristic science fiction type technologies are being employed to control the consciousness of the masses. That's why when you talk to the average American, and, and I would include the average American Christian, 
They're in a trance state. The lights are on, but nobody's home. And that's why, going back to the beginning of our conversation with Fifty Shades of Misery, think of the irony of this. You have the feminist revolution, you have the sexual revolution, and after several decades, we have now come to the place where women, in large numbers, are entertaining or actually practicing the idea of being chained, whipped, bound, and restrained, and in captivity, and as sex slaves in the sexual act, that is the new norm. Now, only scientific mind control could take a once sane person and brainwash them into thinking that being bound, chained, whipped, and being a slave produces sexual satisfaction. If you were in your right mind, you would never buy into that. Well, not only would you not buy into that, but I mean, I think, Paul, it's pretty clear to see this is really Huxley's 21st century vision of a complete scientific dictatorship, really, because when you think about not just the transhumanist agenda, but it's like the technocratic oligarch uses the same Nazi eugenics slash genetic dictatorship where cybernetics, the singularity and the radical advancements in technology augmenting the human body and the mind and ultimately the entire human experience meriting the word post-human. Now, if that isn't a horrifying thought, I mean, this is a total genetic rewrite of God's creation, Paul. Sheila, I'm, I'm going to say something to you that I want your listeners to understand is not some kind of gratuitous, fake compliment on my part towards you. So with that disclaimer, I, I want to say that you are among the relatively uh, small number of media people and thinkers that really gets it. You're one of the few that really gets the, the full comprehensive program here. Most people is just, you know, way beyond them. You're right. We are in this cybernetic, Huxley, scientific, mind-controlled dictatorship, and people have no idea how far down the road we are. The only thing I want to add, though, is this is the driving message in, in, for example, Mass Awakening, and that is I believe that it was God's intention from the beginning. Adam and Eve were the rulers of planet Earth. They were given by God, the Creator, the power to reconfigure reality, and they had spiritual authority and dominion over paradise. But when they rejected the Word of God, Lucifer became the temporary God of this world, and they lost their supernatural dominion and power to reconfigure reality. So to put it bluntly, within the constraints of God's end-time sovereign prophetic program, the present reality that we see is a default reality, since uh, people who are believers in Jesus Christ, who were given by God the power to reconfigure reality, or have dominion over reality, because they've rejected God's Word, and they don't even believe in what I just said, they've lost their power, and therefore, because of default, the powers of Lucifer and the scientific elite, or the technocratic elite, or the scientific dictatorship, they are controlling this current holographic projection, which is what we call reality. But it's not that the reality we're experiencing is not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be a dream, but it's been turned into a nightmare. Now, eventually, it will become a nightmare because we'll enter, enter a phase where Bible prophecy is like 
in, in a full-blown uh, hyperspeed. But uh, in this interim period, you know, uh, the reality that we're looking at and the reality that we're analyzing, the Luciferian elite, the scientific dictatorship, they understand the power of technology and the supernatural, and they are actively harnessing supernatural power to control this earth. And the only reason they're getting away with it is because the supernatural bride of Christ, Christians who, are, who have been given by God the supernatural power to have dominion and reconfigure reality, don't believe God's word. And, be, and they're under a curse, uh, as Adam and Eve were, because they rejected God's word, and the, the net result is the same thing which happened to Adam and Eve. Lucifer becomes the god of this world. So Lucifer's power, which is in an escalation mode, is only happening because God's people are in a, a spiritual state of unbelief or rejection of his word. Well, you know, that's really interesting, Paul, because there are a lot of people. I mean, you yourself are a professor of eschatology, and there's a lot of people that understand Bible prophecy, but they really misinterpret it. I mean, it is supposed to be this beautiful joint venture, for lack of a better word, between God and his ecclesia, not some fatalistic scenario where we're just sitting around singing kumbaya and watching all this transpire. And isn't it incredible and also quite convenient that at the same time you see this culmination of end time events, you have a complete cotton candy comatose cake bake mega church scenario where the mainstream church is just in a stupor but i think what they don't understand is through prayer and fasting really getting humble getting on our knees pressing into the things of god we can really shift things we as a body of believers can really alter the course of events i think we see that play out in the bible what are your thoughts on the state of the situation in the church because these people are i think are in for a rude awakening aren't they yeah they are well they are in for a rude awakening and there's two problems and and you address one uh, you probably address the other also the two problems are is that there is a comprehensive misunderstanding among people who believe in Bible prophecy. Now, I believe in Bible prophecy. I teach Bible prophecy. And I want to make it very clear that Bible prophecy is God's sovereign end times prophetic program. And there's nothing we can do in terms of changing the prophetic reality that God has outlined sovereignly in his word. In other words, we'll never pray and fast and get rid of the Antichrist or the false prophet or the mark of the beast. Now, having said that, here's where the confusion lies. When we have God's prophetic word specifically saying something is going to happen, we're not going to undo that. But people are confusing uh, God's end-time prophetic word, which is sovereign, with interim realities, such as where we are now, where we're waiting for certain irreversible prophetic events to happen. But we're, we're not there yet. We're in this interim period, which implies grace. Some people call it the church age, okay? That implies grace. So, for example, people can have opinions about what's going to happen here and there, but, the general, but, but God doesn't specifically say in detail what's going to happen to America, Canada, uh, and other nations in specific detail. Why has God not said that? Because we have been given 
general biblical principles, such as praying. And I'll give you an example. Everybody's familiar with this verse, that we pray for all those in authority above us with the promise that we can lead a quiet and peaceable and blessed life. Well, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to pray that prayer when the Antichrist is, is head of the world government. But you can pray it now. And God is saying if you pray for your elected leaders in true intercessory prayer, um, God will bless you with a quiet, peaceable life. That implies a certain level of economic prosperity, a certain level of uh, protected freedoms, etc., etc. So we're in a spiritual battle for America and the world right now. The ball's in our court because God has not yet issued a sovereign prophetic decree that he wrote down concerning what is going to happen. And therefore, he's putting the ball in our court. And there, a, a biblical great awakening, a third great awakening, and a biblical revival can break out now, which can radically change society. It's not going to make a magic wand over everything and make it you know, a bunch of Christian nations, but it can reduce the acceleration of evil. It can drive back evil. It may grant temporal peace and protection. It may even buy us time on the looming crises. And praying and seeking God can cause the power of God to come down where he restrains evil and pushes back the power of dark, darkness temporally, releases blessings on the economic, cultural areas of society, may, if he chooses, tear out some wicked leaders and put in some godly leaders. That's all up to God, but we're supposed to pray and seek his face. The problem is a lot of people who know Bible prophecy confuse God's sovereign prophetic will written in the Bible with, with time periods like now where he hasn't issued a sovereign written down prophetic decree. Now, in addition to that, you mentioned these megachurches. There are biblical megachurches. There are megachurches where people love the Word of God and they, they know what's happening. But the vast majority of evangelical megachurches in America are just stadiums and megachurches packed with people who are under a powerful spiritual delusion, scientific mind control, trance, and the leaders of these megachurches are deceivers. They're apostates. And if the people in those congregations were actually reading the Word of God, they would have the spiritual discernment to see that these popular leaders have actually been raised up by the scientific dictatorship. And governments throughout history uh, have allowed churches to be, and pastors to be raised up, ones that were doing the state's bidding, not God's bidding. So these men are apostates. You know, uh, you know all about this. And they are, they are leading the people like lambs to the slaughter. And any Christian who is part of an apostate church and is being uh, deluded by these uh, megachurch and stadium-packing preachers, they are going to fall under the judgment of God in a very severe manner. And that's not an unkind word. That's just a, a, a truism. Well, and I think it's important that people understand that we're at a time where intercessory prayer is really important. I mean, we see examples of that all throughout the Bible. We see Moses, we see, you know, men of God. And it's so funny, you know, you think about when Abraham said to God, 
if there be 10 righteous people, Lord, would you spare them? I mean, we're really, <laughs> I can see that there's very, very few people that not only really get it, but are really in that place of just wanting God in his fullness. I mean, there is really this lukewarmness, one foot in the things of the world and one foot in the things of God, anything goes. It's stunning to me that more people aren't really pressing into that deep intercessory prayer, Paul. Well, I, I agree, and it's because they, you know, nowhere in the Bible does Christianity or the Bible teach fatalism, yet we have millions of Christians, and sadly to say, some Christians who are lovers of Bible prophecy, who have been deceived into thinking that the Bible teaches fatalism. The Bible never teaches fatalism. Yes, it's true, God has a sovereign will, and it cannot be overturned, but he puts it down in his word. Now, besides that, we're not to be fatalistic. And Jesus said, occupy until I come. That means to, we are to law-abiding in a peaceful spiritual manner, use the spiritual weapons that God has given us to occupy uh, the land or territories that God has given us so that the powers of darkness cannot uh, have a coup and take them over. The only reason we're seeing hardcore communism take over nations and a world socialist state and radical humanism and the agenda you talked about uh, succeeding, look, the bottom line is Christians are being disobedient to the word of God. They're not occupying until Jesus Christ comes. And to be very specific, there are listeners to your program right now that are being confronted by a choice by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is saying to them, which is it? What are you going to do? Are you going to obey me and occupy until I come by calling upon my spirit? Or are you going to disobey me and surrender to the comfortable, illusory seduction of fatalism and cause the demise of your own life and family and nation? Which is it? And people are being confronted by a choice right now. We're listening to your program. One of the things you talk about in your book I find is interesting is whether it's evil or good. I mean, it can flip both sides of the coin here. It is possible to ignite a mass revival as well, isn't it? In the last days, we know there's going to be a harvest before the return of Christ, but it's those really who can overcome their programming by renewing their minds and learning how to walk in a supernatural relationship with God, because only those people are going to be able to overcome what's coming. I mean, Jesus alludes to the fact that it's going to be like no other time in history. What does that look like, potentially like a revival? Well, um, that's the reason for the title of the book, Mass Awakening, because it implies that, that a dark mass awakening can occur, such as what happened in Nazi Germany, but it also implies that a mass awakening in the form of a third great awakening and a genuine biblical revival could occur. The model for this is best illustrated in recent history by America's first great awakening. Now, the interesting thing about the powerful spiritual power, the explosive spiritual power that rocked the original 13 American colonies during the First Great Awakening was the fact that not only were people emotionally touched, not only were they overwhelmed by the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, but that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that was clothing 
over a million people with power from on high was such an intense download from heaven that it had the net effect of the spiritual power of the first great awakening embedding itself in uh, influencing and creating America's early form of government, the constitutional liberties, the Bill of Rights, the separation of powers of the three branches of government. And so early America was embedded with the force of the First Great Awakening. So the First Great Awakening wasn't just some hyper-spiritual, let's roll on the floor and bark like a dog revival. It concretely embedded itself in the legal system and the political system and the social system of our nation. That's why America, unlike the UN, unlike the EU, it has these very uh, first great awakening embedded phrases like, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are inalienable rights given by a creator, capital C. And of course, as you know, inalienable means that they're rights given by God. They're not given by man, and therefore they cannot be taken away by man's government. The EU and the United Nations uh, uh, legalese has has an escape clause which says, well, if we change our mind, man has the right to take away all your rights. In the same way, um, the idea of the separation of powers, which is totally different than what has happened in other nations, in the United Nations, comes from the Christian concept that man is sinful, therefore we need to protect ourselves from giving any single branch of government absolute power, because, it, because it's the Christian idea of the sinfulness of man uh, that we need to be protected by. So a template for the mass awakening or third great awakening would be the first great awakening, and it's about how awesome dunamis, explosive power from on high comes down into the earth, but then not only changes people spiritually, it actually reconfigures reality on highly sophisticated scientific, political, geopolitical, and yes, economic levels. Mass awakening, I mean, when you think about that term, it really denotes the fact that there's going to be a very large number of people, you know, snapping out of their trance. But it also can be, I think, I mean, the Bible talks about the strong delusion. I think there's a a deception that is coming over people like a fog. And I'm even stunned that uh, the amount of people, I mean, talks about the great falling away, the mass awakening started during the French Revolution, it morphed into communism, socialism, all the isms. But we really are moving, Paul, lightning speed towards some type of cataclysmic kind of shift, aren't we? Yes, Sheila. And, and this is why what I'm writing about and advocating does not conflict uh, with Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy does talk about uh, great delusion and uh, mass deception. So what could very well happen, and it's what I think will happen, for example, in the United States and other nations around the world, is that you will have a remnant which would would be a minority of true believers. Because God is not, you know, with exceptions, God is not necessarily concerned with numerical majorities. He's, He's more concerned with a minority that's totally sold out than he is a bunch of large majorities where people are not sold out. So what may very well happen, and I believe this will happen, 
is, is a remnant of those who truly call upon the power of God. They will be carriers of revival and a third great awakening. But simultaneously, as the remnant carries this supernatural, awesome power of God that is so far beyond what people think he can do, but God will do, he will do this amazing thing through his people, the remnant. But at the same time, there may be a larger group of people who are uh, energized by a satanic mass awakening where there's a confrontation and uh, those people in the satanic great awakening attack believers and attempt to destroy everything that's Christian. And that is called, as you know, the spirit of Antichrist. So the spirit of Antichrist is raging in our nations right now. And it's raging warfare against all that is good, godly, and Christian. But if we have this paradigm shift in the consciousness of, of the remnant church, they will be set on fire by the supernatural power of God. The explosion of authentic revival and a great awakening will burst forth. And there will be two, like two competing or conflicting systems or spiritual warfare happening. One between a revived remnant and one better energized by, let's just call it a satanic revival. So the two will occur simultaneously. Well, and it's really interesting what's going on all over the world. There's a lot of talk, of course, as you know, Paul, about the blood moons. We're in a Shemitah year. There's signs in the heavens. In fact, just this week, there was a, I don't know if you read this story, Paul, there was a stunned Icelandic photographer during a Northern Lights display saw Jesus Christ appearing in, actually, this is on photograph. People can look it up. It was seen in the sky in the Aurora Borealis. It resembled the Jesus Christ statue in Rio de Janeiro. Brazil. Literally, it was Jesus Christ appearing, and it really did stun not just the photographer, but all of Iceland was just, wow, what is going on there? So you've got, you know, again, the Shemitah year, the blood moons, there's signs going on everywhere. Do you think there's a correlation of all these things that are going on in the earth? Well, yes, because, because again, Bible prophecy is unfolding, and God, uh, through his love, is speaking to mankind through signs and wonders and events that he prophetically announced in the scriptures. So, for example, you know, the blood moons and uh, things of that order, as well as the earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, which is also translated racial wars, uh, the famines, the pestilences, the false Christs, the sign of a one-world economic system, the sign of Mark of the Beast technology coming to the forefront, the sign of uh, the great deception of a one-world religion, the sign of a potential Ezekiel 38 war of Gog and Magog, invasion of Russia and uh, the Ukraine and Islam against Israel, or a Psalm 83 invasion. All these are prophecies and prophetic signs that the Lord is giving to the people of the earth, where it's an act of love. God is saying, come to me while there's still time. Receive me as your Lord and Savior while there's still time, because the time is coming quickly when the the wrath of the tribulation period will be released, and the time is also coming very quickly, and we can see it now with this Mark of the Beast technology. 
the time is coming very quickly where every person on planet Earth is going to be confronted with a choice, which the Bible predicts, it predicted it over 2,000 years ago in Revelation 13. Everybody's going to be uh, confronted with the choice of whether or not to receive the mark of the beast. And the prerequisite for getting the mark of the beast, and you will not be able to buy or sell without having the mark of the beast, which will be a nanochip or biochip or microchip implant, or even DNA uh, particle implant. The condition for receiving this mark of the beast is you have to profess with your mouth and renounce Jesus Christ as Lord and, and confess that the Antichrist is God. Now, if you do that, the Bible says that you are going to be eternally cast into the lake of fire with the false prophet, the Antichrist, and Satan. But if you refuse the mark of the beast, you can be beheaded, but you'll have eternal life. Now, before that happens, you can make a choice now, which is a, like a far better time to make the choice to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you don't, we're headed to the time quickly where people are going to be faced with that brutal choice whether or not to receive the mark of the beast. Well, and that really is a fundamental, pivotal choice, isn't it? Now is the time, folks. I mean, nobody wants to see any person go to a devil's hell. And I think people can make the choice. I mean, who are you going to serve? Jesus paid the tab, and it is time to get right with, with God. And anyone backsliding, I think it is a very pivotal time to kind of snap out of your lukewarm. I mean, what did Jesus say? He's going to vomit. That word there in the Greek means vomit. Jesus will spew you out of his mouth, and I don't want to be in Christ's barf bag, Paul. So, Paul, in the waning moments, give out information where people can pick up a copy of this book, and I highly recommend that they get a copy of Mass Awakening. It is available now. Give out your website for the folks, Paul. Sure, the website, and we have lots of free articles, free videos, as well as you can get the book Mass uh, Awakening. It's www.paulmcguire.us, and paulmcguire.us is all lowercase, and McGuire is spelled M-C-G-U-I-R-E, so it's paulmcguire.us. In the final moments, what are some of the projects you're currently working on? Well, by God's grace, I have a, a television prophecy show series I'm hosting for God TV that will air constantly over the network worldwide for many years. In addition, we're launching another powerful international television broadcast. And also, I have a a major book coming out in a number of months uh, called The Babylon Code with the fourth largest publisher in the world. And we're working on a feature film here in Hollywood to go along with that book for mass theatrical distribution for mass audiences. In addition to that, by the grace of the Lord, I pastor a local church called Paradise Mountain Church, and we're moving into different nations of the world. But finally, I'm at the point in my life where, hey, it's now or never. So I've thrown the gauntlet down, my wife has too, and I am giving Jesus Christ everything. But not only that, I'm my the level of my faith, perhaps through studying for these books and stuff, has supernaturally re I have now I didn't produce it, but God has downloaded into me a supernatural faith where I am now able to think supernaturally and act supernaturally 
on a level that is so far beyond what I could have done earlier. That doesn't mean I don't have problems, doubts, and challenges, because I do. But the power of God operating in my life has exploded exponentially. And it's not about me, Sheila. It's that same thing is probably happening in your life, and it's available to any of your listeners. So I encourage them, whatever God is telling you to do, do it. And if it means walking in the water, do it. Amen. I want to be like the centurion when Jesus really literally stopped and his jaw dropped and he said, wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And folks, I highly recommend that you bookmark Paul's website. You get a copy of this book. Just can't say enough about you, Paul. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Yeah, Sheila, uh, this was really one of the best interviews I've done in media. I mean, I've done a lot of good ones, but this was really a good one. And God bless you, Sheila. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Paul. It's been my privilege as well. Thank you so much. Folks, Paul's information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And don't forget that Steve Quayle is one of my airtime sponsors. It does cost money to be on the air. So please do shoot him an email. Let him know that you like the program. You'd like to keep it on the air. And folks, I really want to encourage everyone to please bookmark the prayer group on Wednesdays. Any spirit-filled believer is welcome to join us in our intercessory prayer group. Our prayer time that we have on Wednesday is very powerful. There is not a lot of people that are joining that. And compared to the numbers of listeners, compared to the number of people that are actively praying, prayer is powerful, folks. And I think it's really imperative that especially at this time when we see darkness filling on the land, we are in perilous times. And I think it's very important. I cannot stress this enough. Please go to WeekendVigilante.com. Click on down on the right-hand side. There is Join Our Prayer Team. Please do prayerfully consider joining this, folks. Again, if you're a Spirit-filled believer and you believe that prayer is powerful, we would absolutely love you to be a part of this. And I know I rail about this a lot, but folks, there are folks out there, a great majority of hearing this program, that are soon in for a rude awakening. I cannot stress this enough. If you're not saved, get saved. Start living for God instead of living for yourself. Allah won't save you. Buddha won't save you. Hindu gods won't save you. Being one with the universe won't save you. And being a good person won't save you. The blood of the Lamb is the only thing that will cut it. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and His resurrection power, you are doomed to a devil's hell. That is the truth. Time is running out, folks. Give your life to God. I guarantee your life will never be the same. And you so-called Christians out there, quit playing church. Your cake-bake social clubs are not cutting it. And the vast majority of you Christians are no different than anyone else in the world. Quit being lukewarm. Lukewarm Christians make God sick. That's not my words. That's what the Bible says. Quit sitting around singing kumbaya and quit being a spectator. It is time to get in the game. Time is short. So don't wait, folks. Today is the day of salvation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to hear from you. So please do get in touch with me. My contact information is there at weekendvigilante.com. 
And just a reminder for people that are still inquiring about the podcast, it is available by simply going to my website and clicking on the big pink button that says Sheila's Podcast, and you can get the latest updates. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and especially big shout out to the WINB shortwave listeners. Very nice to have you listening in. If you are listening in tonight on Worldwide Christian Radio or WIMB, I want to hear from you. Shoot me an email. Let me know how you like the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good night and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuayle.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting SteveQuayle.com. Dare to discover. Learn, prepare, and be amazed.